0: Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hey there and welcome. Today, we're finishing out our series called Live the Life, and we move from teaching on relationships to war. And the transition feels abrupt. Paul reminds us that if you want to live the life, then live it. But it's going to take a fight because we are at war. And if anyone tells you otherwise, don't listen because they don't know what they're talking about. The message of Ephesians is that through Christ, People are being saved, they're changing sides, and now they're being retrained to fight for a new Lord and master and against the old master, Satan. But you need to know, the battle has more to do with what's going on inside of you than what's going on all around you. And here's the deal, no one can fight your battle. We can pray for you, we can walk with you, counsel you, encourage you, but no one can fight your battle but you. And this passage is not a picture primarily of a massive invasion of a domain, of the domain of evil, but of individual soldiers withstanding assault. See, to be a Christ follower is to be at war with the devil. This passage tells us how to prepare for a spiritual battle. Let's start Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against battle gear check we're making sure that we are wearing the right gear so you can as paul says be strong in the lord and take your stand and i have some great news to share with you about this war that we're fighting it's already been won through jesus christ we have victory over sin and death but just because christ won the war doesn't mean that we're completely out of danger yet so check your gear there's a well-known story about Muhammad Ali. I'm not sure if it's true, but the story goes that he boarded an airplane and everyone was getting settled. The flight crew went through all the safety instructors and when, instructions, and whenever they finished, a flight attendant went to Ali and said, Sir, um, I need you to buckle your seatbelt. And Ali responded, Do you know who I am? And she said, Yes, Mr. Ali, and I need you to buckle your seatbelt. And Ali said, I ain't Ali. I'm Superman, and Superman don't need no seatbelt. Without missing a beat, the flight attendant said, Superman don't need a plane. Buckle up. You see, I think sometimes we are like Muhammad Ali was on that flight. We know what the Bible says. We may even believe it's good, but we don't think we really need it. But the truth is, the Bible says that we do. See, this passage makes some assumptions. It assumes our struggle is real and it assumes the enemy is real. But it's not the fight that we think it is. See, we prefer to have a physical fight, but it's a spiritual one. It's unseen, it's it's internal. That's why I said the battle has more to do with what's going on inside of us than what's going on around us. But do you believe that? You know, many of us are hurting emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, but we may not recognize that a spiritual battle is raging. For example, A college student is considered the life of the party. She's intelligent, witty, sociable, but when she's alone, she experiences deep loneliness and seething resentment. Or how about the businessman who, as a child, was neglected by his ambitious father, and he thinks, if I can just get that promotion, then I'll be happy. Success is what really counts in this life. Or a woman painfully wonders, why don't I feel close to my husband? Having grown up with an alcoholic father and a demanding mother, this woman has never felt lovable and therefore isn't able to receive her husband's love. Or the articulate pastor speaks powerfully about the unconditional love and grace of God, and yet he is plagued by guilt. He has never understood how to apply his own teaching to his life and relationship. See, in each of these situations, what do you think is going on? What's happening? It's spiritual war. We have a cultural dismissal, you see, of the devil. Paul says the enemy is real. The devil is real. Jesus said the devil, well, he came to kill and destroy you. If you're wrestling with any of this stuff, it means you're in a spiritual fight. You're wrestling with demonic forces. The devil in the scripture is called the father of lies, tempter, the deceiver, the accuser, destroyer he the the scripture says he masquerades as an angel of light really nice guy scripture teaches your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour guys he's not trying to get you to tap out he's trying to destroy you guys you have a real enemy and it is not your wife ladies while you may believe that you're married to the devil the enemy is not flesh and blood The struggle to be successful in marriage is not a battle against the other person. In fact, anytime I'm fighting against people or struggling with others, I'm fighting the wrong battle. If you're fighting your boss or arguing with your wife or battling your husband, struggling with your kids, pestering your employees, you're fighting the wrong battle. Don't get sidetracked fighting against people. We need spiritual armor because, listen, Our struggle is spiritual and not against flesh and blood. So Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not your power, his power. Not your strength, his strength. It's spiritual warfare, not physical. We cannot attack based on our human wisdom or even our human strength. But human arrogance tends to make us think we can handle anything. But scripture is crystal clear in telling us that we can't. What scripture tells us is that victory comes when we respond spiritually. We've got to stand against the devil's schemes That's the way he wrote it. Notice that Satan's attacks on us are not always as obvious as nasty people trying to disrupt our lives. Most of the time, Satan is much more subtle in his approach. He schemes to make disobedience look good and justified. Did you ever notice that? And at times, Satan will even use people as pawns to wreak havoc in your life. But more often, I find that he will use people as pawns to encourage, affirm, and or maybe support disobedient decisions. Satan will use every trick in his toolbox to convince you that he is looking out for your best interest, but never forget his ultimate aim is to burn your life to the ground. Listen, there is no need to fear Satan. He doesn't have the power to separate you from the love of God. However, you better respect him. And that means being prepared to fight. All right, so how do we get ready? Well. You check your gear. Look at verse 13. He says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. See, Paul was under arrest when he wrote this letter. As Paul thought about how to best prepare us for the fight, his attention was turned to that Roman soldier who he was chained to. I don't think the Roman soldier was likely fully equipped in all of his battle gear, but Paul decided to use that image to motivate us to gear up for this spiritual fight. Put on the full armor so that you can take your stand against all attacks. But if you don't personally believe that you are engaged in a spiritual battle, then you'll treat the armor of God as nice, but not necessary. Here's the deal. God provides the armor. You have to put it on putting on the armor is a metaphor you see for following certain instructions from script from scripture well what's the armor let's find out verse 14 stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul lists seven pieces of gear. The belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword, and prayer. The whole panoplia of God's what he calls it. That's everything you need to take your stand. You might want to write down the list of gear, right? You're going to need a belt, a breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword, and prayer seven pieces of gear and we need every piece to take our stand F- number one belt of truth for a lot of people honestly a belt is an optional uh, accessory right it's not true for the roman soldier though the belt was necessary because it kept his armor in place and his sword handy that strong leather belt also gave the soldier freedom of movement in battle and paul says truth is like that truth holds everything together And truth is the only thing that works against Satan because he's the father of lies. What is truth? God's word is truth. Jesus himself is truth. Everything that Jesus spoke is the truth. If we're gonna come out on top, we need to be on the side of truth. And it's not your truth or my truth, it's his truth. And if we disagree, then he's right and we're wrong. Two, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was the major piece of armor for the Roman soldier. It was made of metal and leather, and it protected his vital organs, the heart and the lungs. Righteousness refers to the right standing before God. Basically, this is doing what God requires. Now, while living the life does not mean perfection, it does mean making every effort to obey the truth. Let's think back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. I want to remind you of this. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, remember, the breastplate, like a bulletproof vest, protects the vital organs. When a man is clothed in righteousness, he is invincible or unconquerable. All right. Three. Shoes of peace. Some translations say shoes of readiness because sandals were a sign of someone who's ready to move. The one who's ready to move out with God is the one who is at peace with God. See, a soldier could not afford to be pushed backwards or to slip down, and neither can we. Because the soldier stood his ground and advanced, he needed to be sure-footed so his sandals were furnished with nails that gripped the ground firmly, even when he was on a slope or it was slippery. The best way to live the life is to be at peace with God. And only the person who is at peace with God can be prepared to move, to move out with God. Like the soldier, we must be at peace and ready to go at all times. All right, four, a shield of faith. He said, I want you to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. See, faith is our shield against flaming arrows. Faith extinguishes flaming arrows. What's a flaming arrow? These literal arrows were soaked in pitch. The tips were set on fire and the arrow shot at the enemy. Such flaming arrows could cause serious damage to the soldiers. But their aim was really not so much to kill the soldier as to... It's to set him aflame, to cause him to break rank and to create panic. To combat this, the soldier had his shield. It was made of two sections of wood that were glued together on an iron frame, which was then covered with a linen and hide and then soaked in water. And when it was wet, the shield absorbed the flaming arrows. When the arrows struck the shields, the wet leather would put them out. You know, Satan loves to use spiritual Flaming arrows. Satan loves to introduce doubt to you and disrupt your confidence in God. Satan's lies are like flaming arrows shot into your mind that start a fire burning of doubt, lust, pride, revenge, or other evil feelings. Arrows of Satan's lies of temptation, of unholy thoughts, of dark despair, of persecutions, arrows of sufferings. So faith has to be your shield. If the Roman warrior's shield was soaked in water, what is the Christian's shield dipped in? See, the shield of faith is dipped into the word of God, and because it is soaked with his word, it's saturated, the fiery darts merely fizzle away. So saturate your faith with God's word. Faith is nothing more than believing God. Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what, we, of what we do not see. But I love verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith always means completely trusting Jesus. In every spiritual battle, faith extinguishes the fiery arrows that are aimed at you by Satan. All right, five. The helmet of salvation. Now, in our culture, who wears a helmet? Well, construction workers, that hard hat area. Soldiers, bikers, riot police, skateboarders, skiers, cyclists, you can name them. Why? Because we know that a blow to the head could be fatal. But helmets also give a certain amount of confidence, right? And this is what the helmet of salvation does for us. The helmet gives us the confidence needed to face the enemy. Salvation literally means preservation, or deliverance from harm, ruin, loss. In the Bible, salvation is deliverance from sin and its consequences that are brought about by faith in Christ. So wear salvation like you would wear a helmet. The knowledge that you've been saved by grace helps you live with confidence. Six, all right, what's our weapon? Verse 17 says, The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Listen, we can never win God's battles without God's book. The best way to do damage to the cause of Satan is not by trashing those who seem to be doing his work, but it is to share with them the life-giving, bondage-freeing, salvation-ensuring good news of Jesus Christ. Second 2 Timothy 2:15. Do your best, Paul said to Timothy, to present yourself to God as one who's been approved, who's a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly or rightly handles the word of truth. Like that short sword that Roman soldiers used to defeat their enemy, the gospel is a hand-to-hand combat weapon. It has the power to pierce and transform hearts. In other words, we can't sit back and just launch gospel truths at people over social media. We must get close enough to know and establish trust and engage them with truth. Seven, according to Ephesians 6, 18, along with our defensive weapons and God's word, the sword of the spirit, which is both a defensive and offensive weapon, we have yet another effective tool for our Christian warfare. We have our own arrows, prayer, in Jesus' name, attacking and destroying spiritual strongholds and winning victories for his kingdom. God uses the prayers of his people to accomplish his purposes. Here's a thought. Pray regularly, pray, pray constantly for everybody and rely on the strength of the Lord. You see, in focused prayer... We become allies with God because prayer is powerful. Prayer is your radio to home base, your life support. It's literally a direct hotline to the commander-in-chief. And we need that because the battle has more to do with what's going on inside of us than what's going on around us. So are you ready to live a life worthy of the calling you have received? Then be alert. Listen, while the devil is working to destroy you, God is working to equip you. I'm going to say that again. While the devil is working to destroy you, God in heaven is working to equip you. If you wonder why you should put on the armor of God, it's because victory comes when I respond spiritually. You see, to be successful in war, strategies must adapt to the tactics of the enemy. In World War I, the strategies were different than in World War II. Vietnam was different from World War II. And maybe Vietnam taught us that if strategies don't adapt, victory won't be secured. The wars in the Middle East required different tactics than Vietnam. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to remember this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ guys we are fighting a spiritual battle and unless we believe that we'll continue to struggle in the wrong battle here's the problem we try to outthink god we get the gear the, the gear the armor god supplied and then decide we didn't want a particular piece or that we didn't need a particular piece, or we're just too lazy to put that piece on. But I want to encourage you to know that the promise of strength, the promise of standing firm, the promise of victory comes from putting on the whole armor of God, just as God instructs us to do. I get that some of the beliefs and behaviors that we've discussed in this series have maybe really challenged the way you've been thinking for maybe your entire life. Please realize that change may not be immediate or even come easy, and that's okay. But if you want to change your life, then start by trusting Jesus Christ with all your heart and mind. The battle starts with your mind and your heart. Listen, even if everyone around you were to magically change, to be what you think they should be, the fact would still remain that the battle is more about what is inside of you than what is around you. Are you ready to change? Commit to wearing all of the gear, the full armor of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the truth that we have heard today, and thank you for the truth that we have heard throughout this letter of Ephesians. Father, thank you for who we are in Christ, and thank you, Father, that you have empowered us and equipped us to live a life worthy of the calling. I just pray, Father, that we will do that, every man, woman, and child, every day of our life, so that you would be glorified. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Together we say, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.